and welcome back to The Composer's Life. I'm Nadia, your host, and next week I will be graduating from Berklee College of Music with a degree in film scoring. So I am a composer. That's what I would like to do for a living. And this podcast is all things composition, composers, day-to-day life, composing, advice, resources, and eventually interviews. So please follow if you'd like to get notified when a new episode is posted. I tried to post once a week. This week, I am posting twice a week because Friday was a difficult day last week. So um, my apologies. I will try not to do that again. So I am back again today. I don't really have anything to update you on because I uploaded my last episode a few days ago other than I'm graduating even sooner than last week. So um, we can just get right into our subject today, which is technology. Um, Technology is a huge part in composing today, and it's changed so many things in general in the music industry for everyone. Um, Like way back when you had to go to a concert or an opera or go somewhere specific to hear music playing. And well, unless you had maybe like a harpsichord or like one of those early pianos, but still, um, it wasn't like you could just pull it up on your phone and listen to it or something like that. So we have access to literally anything we could ever need or want with the press of a button on a computer or a phone. And we also have things um, like DAWs and virtual instrument libraries, which I will talk about later in the podcast. And we can hear what we're composing in real time, which is crazy. Again, way back when you had to be wealthy enough to afford a chamber orchestra or be fortunate enough to work around one in order to hear your music played, or you had to just be able to kind of compose what you heard in your head and write it down on paper in hopes that someone someday would be able to play it and you could hear it. Unless, of course, you're composing for a specific instrument that you play, but things have changed a lot now, um, obviously. Um, So another thing that um, really affects composing in general is being able to hear what other people are making very quickly. And sorry for all these notifications that are popping up in this recording. (laughs) Anyways, um, we are able to hear what people are putting out and what they are writing very quickly. Like, any as soon as they write it or release it, they could post it on Instagram or on YouTube or Facebook and we can immediately hear it. Or we have things like Spotify and Amazon Music and Apple and all of these things that we can just look up a person or a song or a piece of music and just listen to it. So that's going to affect what we create and what things we write because we have so much at to access around us. Um, I talked about this a few weeks ago or just a couple weeks ago, but um, we do have the ability to study other people's music, both in reading it, learning it ourselves, and also listening to how it's played. This can, this can be used in a very good way, but it can also be a little detrimental if we take advantage too much of it and try to release something that really isn't our own creative idea, but we've kind of copied something that someone else has done. Um, Of course, it's okay to do that when you're learning how to compose a new genre or a new piece, or you just like want to learn music theory. So you kind of copy like a piece and try to write 
a very similar thing to that, which is much different. That's used as an exercise. But I've even heard and seen things in film scoring already that where the filmmaker or the director or whoever will ask that a piece be made and composed to sound like a specific composer has made it or to kind of rip off a piece of music. Now, a lot of the great composers use other composers' musics and and phrases and ideas and make it, you know, they get inspired off of it and make something as well. But um, I'm talking like kind of like a word for word, you copy an essay, like note for note, you copy a piece of music, you just change a few things. So it's definitely important that we learn how to work and respect other people's work and use it to learn for ourselves what what we want to, but also to make sure our creativity and our music is coming from a you know an original place. Um, so that is a huge way that technology has affected composing. And I would say that literally anyone could compose <laughs> today because of the technology we have. So like I said, way back when, you had to hear things in your mind and write them down on paper, or you had to be wealthy enough to have access to an instrumentalist, where now we have software programs that you can just play a keyboard into and it will sound like a guitar or an orchestra or whatever that is. It makes it a lot easier to compose and hear and kind of fix things as we want them to be, which is not a bad thing. Um, I do think, though, there is something in challenging ourselves to compose in a different way. I have actually never sat down and composed a piece of music completely in my mind from start to finish without hearing or playing it out on piano or trying or using my computer or whatever that is. So that's actually a challenge I'd really like to do and to kind of practice often while when I'm writing music. So that is something I'm going to start doing. But I think it's important that we have a balance, not only so that we work the most efficiently, but also so that we're pushing ourselves to grow as composers and creative people. I think that would be a great thing to do just to balance out the technology and also what we're really pushing our minds to do. So um those are just a few things that I think have really impacted the music industry. And um, there's obviously so much to navigate now, but today I really want to focus on DAWs or digital audio workstations, notation programs, and virtual instrument libraries. Like I said, these things can be so, so helpful because instead of having to go to a studio and record with a group of musicians, you can play something into a DAW using a virtual instrument and hear what you're hearing in your head and literally hear what that would sound like with that instrument to an extent. Of course, a live instrumentalist is going to sound a lot different than something that's been computerized and put into a program. But it's just amazing that we have these tools so that we can use them and, and probably produce things a lot quicker than people have been able to do in the past. So first I'm going to start out with some notation programs. And again, before I get into these programs, I just want to say that I am not at all an expert in these things. (laughs) I have a few that I'm familiar with and a few that I've used and do use now, but I am not at all an expert. I'm 
I consider myself still at the beginning stage of learning about this stuff. I just want to make you aware of the resources out there so that you can start learning them as well um, and kind of figure out what you want to use and work what works best for you. So um, again, I'm not an expert, so I'm not going to say this is better than this or whatever that is. I would suggest researching that yourself and going on the website and maybe, you know, watching some videos, some YouTube videos about how to use it and kind of get a feel for who uses it and then kind of, you know, make the decision about what you'd like to do. So that is what this episode is all for. It's just to make you aware of the resources out there. Um, So I'm going to start first with notation programs. So these are programs that you can write the sheet music out for your piece. And all of them you can hear, you can play it from start to finish, and it will have instrument instruments playing it, so you can hear what it would sound like. But these aren't used to record like tracks in or try to mix music in. These are for writing the sheet music out, so the literal notes onto the paper. Um, the first one that I use right now is called Finale. Um, it looks really professional. I think it's pretty easy to use. I could figure it out myself <laughs> without um, watching something. Um, it does have shortcuts available and like a way to put notes in quickly and stuff. So that's really helpful. And I feel like the instruments sound pretty good on it. So um, this is one that I use for every every project that I want to have a score written out for. I've been using Finale. So another one is Sibelius, and a lot of my peers at school use this as well. And it's just, I haven't used it. I'm not familiar with it, but it's just another program you could use. And then uh, the last one is MuseScore. MuseScore is free. So if you kind of want to dabble into that and figure out what you like doing, you can start with MuseScore and see how that goes. So those are all, again, programs to write out the sheet music and scores. So the next thing I'm going to talk about are DAWs or digital audio workstations. Um, It sounds really intimidating, but all it is is just think of something like GarageBand that's free on like Apple products. It's just a place that you open up and it has virtual instruments in it and you can record a track or you can you know, put the notes in for different instruments and make a song basically. So that's like the simplified free version of a DAW is GarageBand. So there are tons of DAWs out there and a lot of them, I, from what I've learned, are used for different professionals in the industry. But again, you can pick which one you feel like you would want. So um, just to start, there So going off of GarageBand, there's kind of an upgraded version called Logic Pro. And it's you're just basically able to do a lot more in it than GarageBand. And I've used it a little bit. I do like it. I mostly use it to put my tracks together or like after I've made a song or recording, I use it to place things where they need to be placed sometimes and then bounce it out. So that's what I've used it for. But again, I know a lot of peers and professional film scores who use Logic Pro to actually work in professionally. Um, there's also one called Ableton Live. Um, Ableton, I would say, is a lot more for sound designers. 
I've used it and just composed in it, and I really liked it too. I just know that it has a lot of features for um, playing with different things. Um, I don't even know words right now, but basically just doing different sound designing stuff. I would say like a lot of producers probably use Ableton, so you can definitely use it for other things, but that's just what I have heard that it's used for. Um, there's also Cubase, and Cubase is what I use right now for film scoring and also for just my my school projects and other projects in general. Um, it's I know that it's used professionally for film scoring, and it's one of the more prominent software programs. So, and it's also what I learned to use at Berkeley. So that's what I've been using, and it's really cool because you can open the movie into the program, and you can put tempos in for the music and where you want music to start and all of that, plus have all your tracks and record and all of that. You can also do that in Logic Pro, which I've used as well. So that's what I'm using right now, and I'm, I, I feel like I'm pretty good in it. I'm still learning all the shortcuts and stuff, but it is one that I feel comfortable in. Um, and then another very prominent film scoring program that I would that from what I've gathered is less popular in the film scoring industry now is um, Digital Performer. I tried opening this once and using it and I just had no idea what to even click on because <laughs> everything looked so strange to me. So I, I'm i sure it's great for people who learn it. But yeah, that's just my experience with it. Um, and then another program is called Cakewalk. I haven't used this program, but I've heard a lot of good things about it from other composers and film scorers. It's a free program. It's a free DAW. So if you're looking for something to start with again, or you want to use it, it sounds like it's a great program. And I kind of want to check it out myself and just see how it is. So those are like the DAWs that I was thinking of today. I'm sure there are more that I don't know about, <laughs> but those I know are some that are used professionally in the industry. And the last one I want to talk about is called Pro Tools. So I do know, like I had peers who used Pro Tools to to actually like design music in, but it's mostly used to record and mix music in. So anytime you go into a studio and you record live with musicians or whatever, that studio is probably going to be using Pro Tools. That's always been my experience from the past. And it's just a really user-friendly program for hooking up the mics, recording the tracks, and then mixing all of the music together to get the sound that you want. So um, that's Pro Tools. I would definitely suggest, even if you don't necessarily want to buy Pro Tools, getting familiar with it if you'd like to be in the industry because it's always nice to know what's going on when you're watching people, you know, play with your tracks and mix everything. And you could do that from reading and watching YouTube videos and stuff like that. You don't necessarily need to buy it and know exactly how to use it, but it is a great program that's used very often. So those are all of the DAWs. And the last thing I want to talk about is virtual instrument libraries. So these are basically instruments that have been recorded. So let's take, for example, a harp. Um, someone's recorded every note on a harp and put it into the computer, into a MIDI instrument. So now when I play, when I pull a harp up in my DAW, 
and I have a keyboard plugged in, a piano keyboard that's electronic just in case. I don't know. Maybe you don't know what I'm talking about. Maybe, but you probably do. Anyways, I have a keyboard plugged into my computer and I play the notes on my keyboard. It's going to sound like a harp. And they've probably recorded that with different dynamics and maybe they've done some of the special things a harp can do like um, the word is escaping me, but those really high notes harmonics I don't I don't even remember anyways they they've probably recorded a bunch of different things on the harp and depending on the key I press on my keyboard that's going to play a certain note and uh, effect on the harp that they've recorded so there are so many virtual instrument libraries out there I'll name a few that I'm familiar with and have used but you could probably google it and you'll find endless resources from free ones to pricey there's just so many things you could use so um spitfire audio is a is a big brand that a lot of people use and talk about and that love the quality of the instruments and everything so that's one i am actually not familiar with and i'd like to be more like maybe when i get some cash (laughs) spend and you know play with that so They have a bunch of different instrument libraries. And then there's also native instruments. Same thing, really good quality. That's what I learned to use from Berkeley, as well as Contact. Um, I'm not sure if Contact is part of native instruments. But anyways, Contact, again, has a bunch of different virtual libraries. Um, And then Steinberg is a big brand. Steinberg is the company that owns and made Cubase and they also have their own instrument libraries as well um and then after that there's just literally you could google like virtual instrument libraries and so many things would come up and then every time you download a DAW it comes with its own libraries as well like if you again going back to GarageBand think about GarageBand it already has like I don't even know what it has, but (laughs) let's assume it has guitar and piano and bass and drums. Like it has a bunch of things that come with it. And generally, I would say those libraries aren't the best. They don't sound the most realistic, but they are definitely part of the programs that you buy. So um, these are just a bunch of different resources to start looking and researching and playing with if you are a composer and maybe you already are familiar with all of these things and this <laughs> this episode was kind of like yep I already knew all of that and that is perfectly fine um so but if you didn't now you know there are so many resources out there and if you don't know where to start I would just suggest picking one <laughs> and watching YouTube and just seeing it. but definitely any of them you might need some guidance in so like definitely use the resources available and you never know like a shortcut or something that someone else shows might make your life so much easier and sometimes there are buttons and things are called different things so um just pick one and research it and try it out and that's where you can start so um so yeah that's kind of the technology episode just the start really because like I talked about before technology has made such an impact on composing so I'm sure I'll talk again about some more technology within that within the composing and music industry 
But um, those are some resources for you to check out and use if you haven't yet. And if you have any questions or comments that you'd like to give me feedback for, you are welcome to email me. My email is included in the podcast description. So if you just go up there, it's at the end of the description. You can just click on it and email me. Um, But that's all I have for you guys this week. I hope it was helpful for you in some way. And please follow and rate this high so other people can find it as well. I hope you have a great week and I'll talk to you next time. Thank you.